Today I have Mercy Nevin here with me and I'm really excited to introduce you all to her. And I'm going to turn the time over to her. I, I really want you to tell us your story, who you are, how you got into fitness, how you got into coaching, and I'm really excited to have you on here. I will say this much. When I very first got into Instagram and started coaching, there were a few people that I followed that, or even that I just like saw like in passing on Instagram. And I remember being like, oh my goodness, if I could be like her one day. Like I felt like you spoke. No, I'm serious. You, I felt like you spoke to what I felt like were the real needs of women. And so for a long time, I've kind of held you up on this pedestal of, I hope one day, maybe one day I can have as many followers followers as her. I hate using the term followers, but I'm just going to use it for this yeah, sake. Yeah. But, um, and so I really, I've just created a podcast so that I can get to know and talk in person with people that I just have loved on Instagram. So that's the whole reason why you're here today. I, I so appreciate that. And it's interesting, right? Because you look up to someone else and maybe you don't realize that they feel the same way about you. And I feel that way about you. So when I saw that invitation come through, I guess it was Instagram. I was like, oh, I'm so honored. She wants me on her podcast. And because I, I love your content, I love your message. So yes, thank you for that. But I guess we obviously feel the same about each other. And I will say I've been at the Instagram game now for a long time. I mean, I think since, well, 2017 is when I started creating like the infographics. And that's really what allowed my account to take off. Because before that, I was throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it would stick, trying to grow a following, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and try to build an online business because I was so burnt out with one-to-one -one personal training, which is part of my story that I will get into. And I was posting, you know, pictures of my dog, poorly lit food photos, some of my workouts, and just going nowhere. And I was so frustrated. And it's funny because you and I were talking offline about technology, and I am the most technologically inept person. I'm surprised I was even able to create an Instagram account, to be honest with you. <laughs> so when all these infographics started to, uh, you know, really like become a thing, I, I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm going to get left behind if I don't do this, but I'm not technologically advanced. I'm not creative. And that's another part of my story that y'all talk about. And so I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to make it work or grow a following or an, we'll call it an audience. Um, and then by better. the grace of, yes, by the grace of God, I was connected with Jordan Syed at the time, who to this day is probably the most influential person on my career. And we got on a business call and I said to him, I was like, Jay, I'm really worried. Do you think that I have to do these infographics? Because like, we don't have to do anything, but I would highly suggest it because if you don't, you're going to miss out. And I really think that if you do do it, you will be sitting on a gold mine. And he's like, so that being said, this was a Tuesday. I want you to put up your first infographic this Thursday. And I was like, I do what that man says. So I got a Canva <laughs> account. I tried to figure it out. And it took me six hours to create the first one. It was <laughs> the ugliest thing you have ever seen. Like 
a monkey could have put it together. I posted it and I think it got almost as many likes as I had followers. I was like, oh, wow, there's something to this. And mm -hmm. so I just kept going and I'm like, all right. And the rest is history. So luckily my designs have evolved over time, but I'm so grateful for getting out of my comfort zone and just, I guess, believing in myself enough to make it work because it was such a turning point in my life. And you know, this is a very long-winded way of me saying that I am grateful because it has connected me with the most amazing people. Like not only allowing me to build a business and come into contact with women, you know, clients who I never would have been able to reach just doing one-to-one -one training, but women like yourself or, you know, men too, who I have really great relationships with now. And now I have my own podcast and that would never have been a thing had I not had that conversation. Cause I know I would have never done it myself. I'm not been pushed. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into Instagram, but I know you were going to ask me how I got into fitness altogether. And it's that really cliche thing that I think so many coaches say, oh, I was really active when I was a kid. I played all the sports, but you know, I was a little overweight and didn't really feel confident about myself. So I got into actual fitness. So working out, figuring out my nutrition really as a way to lose weight and feel better about myself. So that started at the very young age of 12, anywhere from like 10 to 12. I don't remember what it was. And my family went away every summer to this lake for a week. And I was like, oh, I gotta be in a bathing suit. And I don't really wanna be. I hate the size of my thighs. So I found some Kathy Smith exercise tapes. I'm really dating myself now that my mom oh had. Oh my gosh. So I'm, that is so funny. Is, oh my gosh. I'm 38, almost 39. So yeah, like 20 years ago at least, um, or longer. No, longer than that. Gosh. Anyway, um, so I started doing those and nothing changed, obviously. And then a couple years later, I found something on an infomercial. Do not know how I got the money to pay for it. Um, it was called The Firm. And these women, do you remember The Firm by any chance? No. 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 So these women, they were jacked. Like they actually had muscle and they looked good. And that is what I wanted to look like. Not the, the wafy kind of like Kathy Smith aerobics type person. So I got this weight training system, started to do that. And again, like really not making much progress, but things just evolved from there. So by the time I was a freshman in high school, I still was not losing the weight. And my mom said, well, I'm going to go on Weight Watchers if you want to join me. And I was like, sure, why not? So the joke in the family or between her and I is she signed up for Weight Watchers and I'm the one that lost the weight just because I followed what she was doing. I was counting points and all that. And as much as I kind of load Weight Watchers now and what they stand for, it did help me make some progress. So that really got the ball rolling, increased my confidence enough to where I was like, okay, this is what I love doing and I'm going to take it from here. So joined a gym and started doing things, you know, not optimally, I would say. So focusing way too much on cardio, yes, lifting weights, but I didn't know anything about progressive overload, following a structure program. I just went in there and did whatever. And then it was my senior year of college, or excuse me, high school, I was taking a sports medicine class. And one of the units that we did was on fitness and nutrition. And our, my teacher had us read the book Body for Life. I'm sure you know of that one, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay. So 
So Body for Life, and, and it was much better. You know, it had a program that you followed and you basically did weight training one day and then hit cardio the next and you just went back and forth between that. And then it was the, the beginning of like the small meals per day. So you have your protein, carb, and veggie, and then you have your shake next. And like, it was fairly solid. So did that, got even better results. And then once I got to college is when things got a little bit dicey. And I would say that I took things to the extreme and really not for any fault of my own. I was starting to follow the fitness magazines because like I said earlier, I saw these women who were lean and muscular and had these broad shoulders and wide backs. I'm like, that is what I want to look like. So I followed the routines. Like I did exactly as it was said. And I think that on top of going from, you know, not much activity when I was in high school, I'm thinking about it, like, I don't know, maybe I got four or 5,000 steps per day to probably walking like 20,000 steps around this college campus. I think it was like the combination of like so much more activity while also going to the gym twice a day, doing morning cardio, going back at night to lift weights, and then being very regimented with my nutrition that I lost the freshman 15 where most people gain it, but to the point where I didn't have 15 pounds to lose. So I don't, I wasn't anorexic bulimic, but I definitely also had disordered eating tendencies just because it was at the time of the good food, bad food, clean, not clean. And I basically lived on egg beaters, sugar-free syrup, Splenda, Diet Coke, like just all of the fake stuff, mm -hmm. right? Um, I was very much afraid of any carb that wasn't a vegetable. So yeah, I lost weight and really developed a disordered eating or disordered relationship with food and exercise. So I didn't notice at the time. My favorite phrase is you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. So, so true. It so is true. so true. And I just thought everything was good. And it was a little bit of a control mechanism because here I was when I was in middle school, I have vivid memories of being in the wet sealed dressing rooms and trying on a pair of shorts. That was like the biggest size, hardly being able to fit into them and just crying. And now I was fitting into like a double zero and it was like incredible for me. I'm like, I've never been able to feel this way in my entire life. So I think that really kind of like made me tighten the reins and I never want to go back to where I was. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And it wasn't until I think it was like my junior year where my sorority sisters, like my close group of friends were becoming like aware of my behaviors and also uncomfortable with them. So they essentially staged an intervention and, you know, we see what's going on. We're worried about you. We think you need help. And that was enough for me to be like, I don't want to lose my friendships. So I'm going to do whatever I need to do. So I met with a nutritionist and, and definitely started to change some things. I don't think those thoughts or beliefs like ever fully go away or they didn't fully go away, but I definitely gained weight and graduated at a healthier weight. So that's kind of like my story around that. And then going into my early 20s, I met a bodybuilder and, you know, I was like, oh, help me gain muscle. So he put me on meal plans and I kind of did the like, I guess an almost like bulk type phase, but then I would get uncomfortable immediately, you know, worried that I was going to go back to how I was. I was like, oh no, no, like you need to put me into a fat loss phase. So 
kind of did that roller coaster. And then it was 24 when I hired my first like real online coach, this guy, Eric Ladine of Lean Bodies Consulting. And he still is in business to this day. He's kind of like the OG. Um, but yeah, I hired him and that is actually what healed my relationship with food because I still had the good food, bad food mentality. And he put me on a meal plan, which, you know, I have my issues with, but we also were able to make substitutions. So I was now eating oatmeal, potatoes, cheese, fruit, that kind of thing. And then post-workout, he allowed us to eat any carbohydrate that we wanted, so long as it stayed within a certain amount of grams. So here I am eating ice cream and frozen yogurt and then having refeeds and like getting shredded. Like the most progress I had ever made up until that point. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I can eat whatever I want and still get results. And that is really what changed, I think, the trajectory of my journey, but also helped to shift my mindset around food. So I'm forever grateful for that experience. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like my journey itself. But I had no intention, Lindsay, of becoming a coach. So I was so into working out when I was in college that I met these two trainers at a 24-hour fitness. And I think that they kind of saw potential in me and they took me under their wing they introduced me to websites like T Nation and people like John Berardi and Precision Nutrition. So I like really got in the weeds. And I remember being, you know, in a sorority and all my friends were out going to the bars and I'd be up at night, like <laughs> researching diet and nutrition or excuse me, diet and fitness stuff. So they encouraged me to get my personal training certification, which I did. And I started to work as a trainer at the end of college. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is okay. But I really did it more than anything just to, one, because I enjoyed it for myself. But I was like, well, maybe one day if I'm ever in between jobs or I get married and I have kids and I don't want to work full time, like this is something I can fall back on. But yeah, it was never my intention. So I actually got a job in outside sales right out of school. Did that for a couple of years, got fired from my second position. And I was like, oh, well, I got to figure something out. So long story, but I, I had an um, acquaintance who owned a gym. Actually, he was my brother's trainer. That's what it was, who owned a private gym and he was looking for female trainers. So my brother was like, why don't you go talk to him? Um, also by coincidence, a guy that I had met when I was at the University of Oregon, who was a trainer at 24, um, he had moved to California where my hometown was. I ran into him at a gym. He's like, oh yeah, I'm working at this place, New Direction. I'm like, yeah, they're asking me to, to come work for them. He's like, well, you should. So I did. And I was like, this is just temporary stepping stone until I figure out what I'm going to do next. And 12 years later, I was still doing it until the pandemic hit and the gym shut down overnight. So luckily, as I was saying earlier, I had started to build the online thing and mm -hmm. it really just took off after that. So that is my fitness journey. It's my business journey kind of all rolled into one. So now here we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I wanted to ask you a question about, um, you're, I'm going to destroy this. You said it so much better. Uh, like when you're in the jar, you can't read the nutrition label, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, so then how do women know? What are some signs? What can, what guidance? Because I'm sure that there are women right now listening who are like, oh, that's not me. <laughs> and no. if we met them and talked with them, we would be like, oh, that's you. Right. <laughs> you right, are right. in there. <laughs> Well, I think 
spinning your wheels, not making progress and, and thinking I'm working so hard. I'm doing everything right. Why don't I look like Lindsay? Why don't I look like, you know, whoever else it is that they're looking up to? Why am I not making this progress? It feels so unfair, but I just don't think that they realize that what they're doing is not working. Or, and this is the other common thing that I see, especially because as I get older, I think I'm starting to attract an older client demographic. So maybe women in their mid to late thirties, forties. I mean, I even have clients in their fifties and sixties who are still doing what they did in their twenties that got results, probably because they were not metabolically adapted at that point. You know, it was like their first foray into fitness. So at that point, like anything works for a while. Mm -hmm. And then the more you do it, like, you know, myself, the more diets you do, the harder you work out, the more you downregulate metabolism, it becomes more difficult to make progress. And I think as our hormones start to shift, you know, we layer on more stress with work and kids and responsibilities, your body just does not respond the same way. So they keep doing the same thing that that worked then thinking that it's going to work now if they just do it harder, if they just add more days. I'm like, sorry, but it's not the case. So that's probably the biggest thing I see. Um, And then also maybe like a lack of awareness or a lack of honesty. So lack of awareness being, oh, I don't realize that the bites, looks, and tastes that sneak in multiple times per day over the course of the week actually put me at maintenance calories when I need to be in a deficit, you know, not thinking that those things are going to count or yeah, just not being honest with themselves about what it actually takes from a consistency standpoint to make the progress that you want. So I love that you brought up, I love that you brought up that what worked for them five years ago, isn't going to work for you today type of thing. Because I I don't think that people realize that our our bodies are shifting and the, the same environment that you created, you know, 10 years ago may or may not be the the same environment that you're creating right now. Mm -hmm. And so there does need to be a change. The body Mm -hmm. does, it is so adaptive. Mm -hmm. It really does adapt very quickly. So, which is probably why, you know, changing nutrition, going from uh, cuts to maintenance to build to maintenance to cuts to changing that, changing workouts. You mentioned progressive overload. People see so much success in that because the body is not constantly um, adapting. It's almost like they're staying ahead of it in some ways. Yes, absolutely. That's so true. And I've written about this many times over the years in my content the the phases that are going to be the most productive so the reverse dieting the maintenance even if you choose to do a more structured build like those are going to make the help you be successful make you make progress but they're the most uncomfortable ones because it's not where you actually see the physical results as much like if you're in a build well you're seeing physical results but it's probably not what you want because it's so out of your comfort zone because the majority of women who come to us, all they know is dieting and shrinking Mm -hmm. and doing what it takes to get smaller, you know, thinking that they're going to develop that look they want the, 
the lean, the toned, not really realizing, well, you probably don't have the found, you haven't laid the foundation or built the foundation to even have that if you were to lose the fat. So you have to put in the work, the uncomfortable work. You have got to sit in that, you know, while you go through those maintenance or build phases and you feel, this is my least favorite word ever fluffy. I hate that, but it's what people are using. <laughs> what's, days, what's, right? It is, it is. What's a better word? That is like the word. It's the word. And I don't know. What it's like, one. well, it's kind of like we use toned where we're like, yeah. I hate using that word, but I have to, because I say it and the masses know what I'm talking about. Right. Yes. It, yes. So instead of fighting it, just, I don't know. Yeah, I pick yeah, and choose my battles. But, but yeah, they, they see or they feel themselves, you know, maybe adding a little bit of body fat if they're in a surplus or, or just, you know, retaining more water, not looking quite as visibly lean and they freak out and they feel like they're regressing or it just feels so uncomfortable because, and I know, Lindsay, I've heard you talk about this, like your brain is so powerful and it's very scared of change and it just wants to stay in the familiar and and do what will keep you safe. So anytime you step out of that comfort zone, even if it's for your highest good, even if it's going to be the necessary thing to eventually get you where you want to be, it's always going to want to pull you back to that familiarity um, that you're so used to, which is dieting every time you get comfortable or start to feel fluffy, you know, relying on cardio instead of weight training, all of that. So I think that's why women just perpetually spin their wheels. That's great. Isn't it interesting when you think about retirement, like obviously everybody wants to retire well, but how many people want to put in the money daily? That's hard Mm. because they're putting the money in, but that money has to come from a want that they have right now. Mm. Like, oh, but I but I really want that shirt. Oh, but I really want this. I really want that. I want a bigger house. And so it's like, okay, well, it has to come from somewhere. The comfort zone, like that comfortableness, I guess, has to come from somewhere. It either comes, you experience it now at the price of the future, yeah. or you will set yourself up for a better future um, at the price of today. And it doesn't need to be some overwhelming price today. But just like a little, just a little bit, right? I love that. What a great analogy. And I've never heard anyone articulate it in that way, but it's so true. And it's delaying the instant gratification, mm-hmm. which, you know, you can talk about that when it comes to building a better physique or with fat loss and delaying the instant gratification of, okay, right now, you can't have everything that you want. You can't have your cake and eat it too, literally. You know, so yeah, I really love that. So I want to talk a little bit about how you set women up for success because um, I feel like so many people are spinning the wheel, their wheels and you probably get the same demographic that I do where, yeah, it's probably like early, it's probably from ages 30 to 40, 30 to 50 kind of thing where these women are, are all of a sudden realizing I, this isn't what I want. Mm-hmm. Like this, this body isn't what I want. I'm actually not okay with this. Um, and so they go and they, they're working out six, seven days a week, uh, doing tons of cardio, um, 
the whole 1200 calorie diet. And, uh, how, if somebody comes to you first, I want you to talk about how do you, like, what, what do you say? What's your conversation? What are you looking for? What are you going to change about their approach? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's first educating them on why what they're doing isn't working rather than just saying you have to change it. Because one of my other favorite sayings, I actually have a lot, is, and I, I got this from, I think, Brandon DeCruz. I don't know if you follow him. He's great. Mm, he don't. says, an educated client is a compliant client. And I was like, oh, Ooh, that's, that's powerful. Good. Right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I really do, I believe that fully. So if you know the reason why you're doing something, then you are going to be more bought into the process even if it's still uncomfortable. So, because I've had coaches in the past who just put me on a protocol and I had no idea what I was doing or why I was doing it. And, and it was still scary. I did not trust in the process. So trust in the process, trust in yourself. Like those are the two key components of success. So really helping them understand that this is the reason why you're here And this is what we have to do to get you a different result. And I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but if you can just like stay in it long enough, one, I promise you're going to start feeling better. Like it's going to, it's going to hurt right now because again, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about the reason why maintenance and, or even like reversing building is so uncomfortable is because you don't see those like tangible physical results. Like you're not seeing your body like change from a fat loss perspective, which is when, what most people are after. Um, so yeah, I, I tell them like, you know, you may not see the physical transformation like right up front, but we do have to put in that work, lay that foundation and kind of get your body feeling like it's safe enough to even make progress because right now it doesn't. And going back to, again, like what you were doing all that time, like it, it didn't work. So we got to try, try a new approach, but I understand that you want this certain results, but you just, you have to be patient and more often than not, they are accepting of it, but I still think that it's really scary because they believe that if they, if they're not getting results doing what they're doing now, which is six to seven days per week, 1200 calories, how in the hell am I going to get, make progress doing less and eating more? No, no, no. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to go backwards. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's always the fear. That's the fear. So I get it. I totally get it. And I had a client come to me recently who was working at, this was literally her seven days a week. I think two and a half hours per day. Not sure exactly what her intake was because she wasn't tracking. So I think that she was probably eating more than she thought, which is why she wasn't losing weight. Um, But I definitely said like the exercise needs to come down significantly. And I'll give her credit. Like she, she's done it. You know, I think that she's still adding maybe like a little bit more than I would want her to, but I also don't want to go from like zero to 60 overnight um, because I think that would be too threatening on her brain and she would really like freak out and maybe stop altogether. So I was like, okay, 
let's kind of come to a happy medium. And then from there, once you are feeling better or more comfortable about the process, then we can continue to adjust. Um, so to this day, I haven't had anyone completely bail on me. Everyone's <laughs> because again, I think that they see, oh, wow, I am starting to feel better. I'm not as tired all the time. I'm getting stronger. Things are changing. Like maybe the number on the scale isn't moving in the direction I would want, but I am seeing the other benefits and that's enough to keep going. So I always that tell is, like, yeah, is continue. like the mindset benefits. People don't realize how much they need it yeah. until they, they get out. And then all yeah. of a sudden they realize, wow, less really is more. Why? Because mm -hmm. now I have more time with my family. I have more space in my brain to think about other things. Less mm -hmm. actually is transitioning to more. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, you're laying that foundation. You're investing into that, that future self. Yeah. Yeah. Pennies in the progress piggy bank is what I like to say. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I love what you just mentioned about freeing up more space to give attention to other things, because I really do believe that that's where women also get hung up and maybe, for lack of a better word, self-sabotage a bit is because they're so consumed with their nutrition, with their fitness, like it really does take up hours and hours of their, their week that they don't have the mental capacity to really give towards everything to anything else. And then on top of that, you know, they're working or they're raising a family. And so now they've let go of the things that really fulfill them, that bring them joy. I call this your mm -hmm. satisfaction cup. So it's your hobbies, your interests, your friendships. Um, so like kind of the mental, emotional, spiritual component of your life. And if you, if you don't have that, you're always going to seek comfort in less self-honoring behaviors. So whether that's, that's powerful, whether that's over-exercising because you're trying to escape something that you don't feel comfortable with or, um, yeah, like you seek out, uh, food or alcohol as a way to self-soothe, numb, distract. And like that kind of becomes your sense of fulfillment. So if you now have more time and space to give to those things that really do fulfill you, now you're going to have more energy um, to put towards the things that are going to matter, but the things that are going to like help you move forward. And you're going to be less reliant on the behaviors that might hinder your progress. So that's a, I mean, that is so powerful. It's so hard though, because it's so hard to balance out. I like, I want extra time for these other things. I don't actually want to track my food all the time, but at the same time, I'm being told if, if I don't have more cognitive oversight over my nutrition, then this specific goal, uh, won't. I won't be able to hit it. Mm -hmm. So what do you do in that case? How do you walk somebody through that? What, what are just some thoughts that come to your mind? Um, g give me like a little bit or be a little more specific there with like the. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I have all, I'll have clients come to me and they have these, they really want to have a leaner look. Like Mm -hmm. they want to, I mean, obviously don't want to look like they're some bodybuilder step up on stage or anything, but they really, they love the gym and they want to look like they love the gym. Mm -hmm. They want to go strolling around in the gym and have like, maybe not have their six pack, but at least like a lean stomach. They want their, their delts to show. They want all of these things that really do require more oversight over food Mm -hmm. and more restriction. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's really hard for them because they feel like as soon as they start tracking foods or using different tools to have this greater oversight over it, then all of a sudden it fills their whole space and Mm. they don't have time for life. And now all of a sudden they're just, all they're focusing on is food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, this is going to be really simplistic, but I'm like, just plan ahead. Would you please? Because that's what I think the biggest roadblock that I see in people is trying to wing it and track as they go. So for people who are trying to actually use macros and do all that, um, I am someone who has tracked every day, pretty much of my life, or I don't even know how long at this point I could do it in my sleep. It's not a big deal. I don't mind it. Um, and I do it because like for most, most of the time, like I do have a goal that I'm working for, um, whether it's, you know, fat loss, reversing, you know, maintenance, like it's still, it's still something that I want to be cognizant of. Like I trust myself enough not to track, but I think that's just kind of how my brain works. I like the structure of it. Um, but I eat pretty much the same thing every day. So I have the macros of the, that, those meals pretty much memorized. And I know that, okay, if this is going to be breakfast and this is going to be lunch, well, like approximately here's what I have left over for dinner. So I don't come to the end of the day. And because I haven't been thinking about it, I'm like, oh shoot, I have 80 grams of protein. I've completely blown through my fats and I have 10 grams of carbs. It's like, well, looks like you're getting chicken breast and a protein shake. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like I think when someone doesn't have the the awareness, but also uh, they haven't done it for long enough, you know, they're not at that point. So it is really beneficial just to take some time, whether that's at the end of the day, first thing in the morning to plan out the meals. And yes, you know, it's still time that you have to put in, but it's going to save you so much more time, reduce decision fatigue, reduce cognitive load, uh, because now you're not having to take the, take the time to like log as you go and do all of that. Um, and then Mm -hmm. also just keeping things simple by putting meals on repeat. Like I know you're similar. You, you have meals that you really enjoy, Mm -hmm. like your protein oatmeal, um, or, you know, other things like that. And you could probably eat that every day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, but just Mm -hmm. copy and paste it. Right. So you don't have to reinvent Mm -hmm. the wheel. You don't need to rely on, you know, fancy Pinterest recipes and, um, and do things like that. And it can just simplify the process so much more. And then I tell them like, rely on convenience foods, just anything to make your life easier. Um, I think that people just complicate it way too much. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times we get on Pinterest or we start scrolling on Instagram and we see these elaborate meals. And then we think that we need like 
20 ingredients in mm-hmm. one meal. And that is the, it is going to taste amazing. It's going to be great. But the time like that it takes, like that's, it's such an overload that you're placing on an already stressful mind and body because you are in a calorie deficit. Yeah. Like an energy deficit mm-hmm. does raise cortisol in and of mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. So I love what you said, planning ahead. It is so simple. I, the answers are always simple, but we but want them easy. to be complicated. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't want to be like dismissive in that way where like, it's so easy, people. Yeah, no, it's simple, <laughs> but I get it. It's not necessarily easy uh, in practice, but also easy is earned. So you have to realize that you are going to have to put that work in up front until you can get to the point like I was saying about myself, where you don't really have to think about it too much uh, just because it's second nature at that point. But be patient with yourself, give yourself compassion because there are probably going to be a lot of stumbling blocks along the way until you do get there and, and figure it out. I love that. So it's easy is earned. That's actually mm-hmm. a pretty powerful my my daughter was just asking me, my son is three and he's just obviously learning to communicate. And she's just like, it's so easy for me. How come it's not like, why aren't the words just coming out of his mouth? Why isn't he saying it right? And I'm like, okay, well, you have seven years doing this, girly. He is just learning. And so he is stumbling. It's like when you walk, you do stumble a lot. And you can't get mad at yourself. It's just, it's part of the process. It all, it would almost be weird if a child just went from rolling around and crawling to one day, just standing up and walking around. Like people would be like, what? That's weird. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with us, um, that we earn the ease by practicing it every day. Yeah. Well, and even to take it a step further or just kind of share another example. So there's this girl that I follow, her name's Karen Nordine, and she's not into fitness whatsoever. She's she has a PhD in behavior change. And I am part of her, it's like a, it's called the Change Academy. So she runs a workshop every month on some component of behavior change. And she did a post, I think it was yesterday actually, where she was talking about this. And she said, you know, again, give yourself some grace because even a simple task is not always easy. And she used the example that recently she had to book a dentist appointment and it took her weeks to book that appointment. It's like, it seemed so easy. It should take two minutes. She's like, but it wasn't because I had to research the dentist. I had to, or like kind of research what was going on, find the dentist, uh, book the appointment. And also there was like some fear involved. So what are they going to find? You know, is it going to cost a lot of money? Like, There's just so many other things that go into it. So like with tracking, maybe someone doesn't know how to use MyFitnessPal. So there's the the kind of barrier to entry or the learning curve with that. So yes, simple in practice, not always easy in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And you do have to to overcome like a lot of, a lot of thoughts from your brain that are, you know, getting you to, that are telling you stories as to Mm -hmm. why it is hard than it needs to be. I love that. It is kind of interesting to think of yourself as actually separate from your brain. Mm. And that um, 
our brain does tell us these stories, but we can choose to believe them or not. So a story that it may tell you when it finds like the, when it faces the resistance of initially tracking any cognitive oversight over food, maybe this is too hard. It's so much easier for everybody else. This doesn't work for you. And I think it is so important that people do realize like we can choose to give space to that or not. Like Mm -hmm. we can choose to believe that. We really do choose to believe our own thoughts and, and the stories that come into our head. I find that, and I want to ask you about this as well. I find that one of, um, that my clients who have a growth mindset are usually the ones that handle the resistance the well, uh, the best because one, they just expect it, but two, they look at challenges and an opportunity and not necessarily an obstacle. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you, what are some things about mindset that you feel like your clients that are really successful either have that mindset or develop it with you? Mm-hmm. Any- I love that. Yeah. And some people just have a stronger mindset going into it. And I think of all the women I've worked with, I can probably count on one hand, maybe two, the number who have come to me with that really strong foundation, that resilient mindset, where it was just like, check the boxes, no mental drama around it. And it's an easy client. It's a, yeah, it's a cakewalk, you know? Yeah. Um, Those are the easiest clients. They're the easiest clients, but they're not always the most rewarding because I think the most rewarding are the ones where they come to you just having no belief in themselves, the all or nothing thinking, um, you know, the opposite of a growth, a very fixed mindset, as we would call it. And then over time, you really see the changes start to develop. Like that is everything for me. And it's hard work. And it can even be, you know, emotionally very taxing on, I think, the coach and the client, because it requires so much. And it's messy and it's hard, but you know, when you can get to the other side, there's just like nothing that feels better. So, uh, you know, for me, when it, when I work with clients, a lot of it is just helping them to find the evidence of where their current belief system isn't true. So a lot of times someone will come to me who are, who's very successful in one area of their life but they struggle with their adherence, whether it's their nutrition, their nation, or both. And it's always interesting to me. And I've kind of, I think I had a little bit of an ego when I was younger, you know, when, especially when I was training people in person, I had this client who was very overweight and she would just lose the same, lose and gain the same five pounds over and over again, but like really nothing changed. And she was at like the top of her career, just super successful. And I would say to myself, like, you have everything together in your professional life, you know, in your home life. Like, why can't you, like, this is so easy again, right? It's like, why can't you figure this out? Um, But I realized that that's not the case for people. And, And even myself, fitness and nutrition is so easy for me. But the business side of stuff is where all of my limiting beliefs creep in. So kind of like going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast with the 
making the infographics. And because I had a story, I had told myself a story back in college when I was actually a journalism major. And I had classes where I had to use Photoshop and PageMaker, and I could not figure it out. I had to have other classmates do my projects for me. So I created the story. I'm not creative. I'm not good with technology. And that, you know, bled into the work that I was trying to do to build my business. And it was the thing that was going to hold me back from even getting started. So had it not been for a coach to push me and just be like, it doesn't matter how ugly it is, just get it up. And when I did, I created that evidence. I basically was able to rewrite that story. I was like, oh, okay. When I at least try, something good does happen. Maybe it's not perfect, but, and this is also a growth mindset, I can improve. I can be resourceful. I can develop skills. I can get support. And if I just keep practicing and, you know, follow that up with patience for myself, then eventually I'm going to get to where I want to be. I love that. Labels are so hard because as soon as you label yourself, it's like the brain instantly is like, I will find, I don't want to be wrong. I'm going to find every evidence that you are right. If you decide I'm a procrastinator, it will literally find all evidence. And then it just like builds up this supporting case of you're right. And if you ever try to rip that label off of you, the brain's Mm going to be like, no, 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 no. But look at all this evidence that we built up over years. It's just who you are. And just kind of puts you into this, this limiting box mm-hmm. full of our limiting beliefs. That's, yeah. And I, I love that you brought that up about how somebody could be so successful in one aspect of their life. And then when it comes to fitness, it's like, why? Why, why doesn't it transition? Why isn't it transitioning for me? Mm-hmm. Because I've had clients feel that same way. They are so... I I had a client who was really hardcore about money. Like she was like a Dave Ramsey saver, no debt, so hardcore. And then she's like, but that should transition perfectly into fitness. All of the principles are the exact same. So, so why is it not? Mm. And what a great opportunity for me and her. I mean, I, I truly believe that I'm, I'm a, I'm a coach. I'm a trainer. I'm not necessarily a therapist. And I think that people need to find their therapist. I'm not their therapist, but But let's be honest. We moonlight as one. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. But uh, what a great opportunity for us to look at. Well, you may not use shopping as a coping mechanism, but you may use the food. Mm -hmm. And what Mm -hmm. are some triggers? What are some things that, uh, some feelings of like emotions that, that come up, like, what are you feeling? What's going on around you when all of a sudden you find yourself in your kitchen having downed that whole cake Yeah, and just that opportunity to be able to, to step back and say, well, how am I using food? How am I using fitness? Because people use it. It's the same exact, it's the same coin. Either they use it, um, and they overindulge or they underindulge, but eat like an anorexics, the psychology of the anorexic using food as a control mechanism, 
uh, it's the same exact psychology that somebody may use it to overindulge. They're using it as a tool. Absolutely. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's interesting being a coach and watching how I wish people's bodies were just machines. It would be, so, my job would be so easy, right? Right. Just follow, it's that just word, just follow the plan, just follow the nutrition, just follow the, But the truth is we all come in with such different mindsets and the psychology mm-hmm. of it is massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and change is so hard. Again, you know, the unfamiliar is very scary and unsafe and to, I, I keep using stories about myself, but I hired a new business mentor recently. And so when you said like, oh, I put you on a pedestal when I started following your content, I'm like, thank you, because this guy just completely ripped my content apart. And I was like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> like, you know, I, I built a pretty good audience. Like, can't you tell? <laughs> like I have, a, I have a successful business. Um, you know, like there was like help that I needed. And so he's come in and be like, no more tweet posts, no more swipe posts. Like we're doing things differently. And I was on a call with him yesterday and he wants me to start like creating all these reels. And it's like my, I I literally felt paralyzed. Oh man. Yeah. And it's like, I've I've created reels before. I've talked to the camera before, um, but it's still just kind of that limiting belief. Oh, I'm not. I even said to him, like, I'm not creative. He's like, yeah, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. So yeah. And I've had, you know, some fear ever since then. And even before that, when he said, okay, we're really going to have to start switching things up. And um, it's been very, very challenging. But I know like once I overcome that hump, I'm going to be really proud of myself. So yeah, I think that goes back to the limiting beliefs, just also things, you know, from like going back to your childhood too. So what someone said to you, the way that you were raised. And I will mention uh, this client that I was speaking about earlier. I was working with her kind of when I was starting my real like personal development journey and diving deeper into mindset and even like learning about trauma and how that affects our decision-making, our ability to stay consistent or take action. And I'm not going to overshare on this episode, but she and I really had a come to Jesus moment at one point. And she shared with me something that just gave me so much self-compassion for her, not self-compassion, compassion for her. And it allowed me to understand why she keeps the weight on. It's not because she can't do it. I'm sure she could, but it's definitely a protective mechanism. So even something as deep as childhood trauma or even present day trauma can hold somebody back. And that again, goes to the whole can't read the label when you're inside the jar I don't think people, unless they're working with a coach or a therapist who can ask those questions and help them create the awareness, they probably don't know that that's a thing. That is really powerful. That's very true. Yeah. Um, And then you Oh, go on. No, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say another thing that happens a lot, and this can sometimes even be cultural, but... I have clients who struggle with overeating. And one of the reasons for that is because growing up, they were a member of the clean plate club because their parents said, you can't get up from the dinner table unless you have finished your entire plate. So they take that as truth and they carry it with them throughout the rest of their life, not realizing that, oh, I'm the adult now. 
I get to make my own rules. I get to decide for myself. But it's so ingrained because you know the brain is hardwired. You know, it has those deep-rooted neural pathways. And if that belief was instilled upon you when you were as young as four or five, let's say, and now you're in your 30s, well, don't think that you're going to undo that overnight, which is why it is so important to have patience and compassion for yourself and realize like this doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you. It's just been what you've been made to believe and have carried with you for so long. So we've got to do the work. We've got to practice to start to create those new belief systems. And, and that's only done through, I hate to say it, but taking the messy action and maybe mm -hmm. slipping, not maybe, definitely <laughs> slipping yeah. up along the way, but until you do start to create that new evidence for yourself. Oh, 100%. Marcy, I've loved having you on here. This is such oh. a, such a good discussion. Yes. And I I love talking about like the science of physiology, but I just think the psychology of it is actually where more women get tripped up than 100%. anything else. Oh right? my gosh. Yes. It's it's all the mindset. Like that is muscle, muscle and mindset is really the foundation of it all. So <laughs> it's better, true. If you want a better physique, you know, um, then that's what you have to put in the work to build first, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah, so. 100%. Oh my goodness. Well, I've loved this discussion. Where can my listeners find you? And you have your own podcast that I'm sure is amazing too. Thank you. I do have my own podcast. Well, I do it with two other women. So it's called Decades of Strength. And that is hosted by myself, Katie Crocus, and Kim Schlag. So the premise of it is it is three women from different decades. So I'm in my almost 40s, but still late 30s. <laughs> Katie is in her 40s. Kim is in her 50s. So just sharing those different perspectives and, you know, stories from kind of where we've been, where we are now at this stage of our life. And I love it. So yeah, Decades of Strength iTunes, Apple, all those places. And then on Instagram, just my name, Marcy Nevin. Awesome. And you are a wealth of information on there. So definitely go on and follow her. She's wonderful. I'm shocked that he told you. I mean, I'm not shocked that he told you to start doing reels because reels is the next big thing, but I just love your swipes. I love your, I, we're old though, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but, but even, and I guess like myself as a consumer, I prefer the written content over the video. Mm -hmm, me too. It's just, it's easier for my brain to consume. I hear you on that one. I hear you. Well, thank you so much. It has just been a joy talking to you. You're awesome. Go follow Likewise. her. Thank you again.